All right, welcome on in to the Jazz Talk Podcast, part of the Wasatch Podcasting Network. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. Now, this episode is coming out a little late. It's still coming out on Saturday, but it is not going to be out on, at 6 a.m. Um, by the time I'm done with this, it'll be closer to 11 p.m. Um, you know, I try to get this out by 6 a.m. on every Saturday, but this weekend's been a little crazy with work. Um, but um, still trying to stay on schedule, get stuff put out. Um, be looking out for more content coming out on the NBA side of this podcast. Um, that covers the whole league. We'll be finishing our trade primer and uh, moving on to other projects I want to cover. But for today's episode for the Jazz Talk podcast, this may, this one may be a little long. It's not going to be a super long one. This isn't going to be an hour episode, but it could be up to you know, 40, 45 minutes maybe. Um, but we're going to cover, um, do like a, a bit of a mid-season report for the Jazz so far. Um, we're a little bit past 41 games right now. Um, let's see, the Jazz are 32 and 13, I believe, at this point. So they're at 45 games, so we're a little bit past midpoint. Um, but right now is a good time to, you know, we've had a big enough sample size to look at what the Jazz have done so far this year. Um, and just take a look at, you know, what we've seen from their players. First off, I want to talk about guys that are no longer with the team, um, whether that be th- um, they traded them or they waived them, but they were part of the Jazz at the beginning of the preseason, and so I just want to spend just a little bit of time on them, just give you an update on where they're at. So first off is Dante Exum. Um, Dante Exum we traded to uh, Cleveland as, along with two future second-round picks. In return, we got Jordan Clarkson. Now, Dante, this season was coming off of patellar tendon um, surgery. And the patellar tendon in the knee, it's one of those things to where you, until it's basically fully healed, you can't even put weight on your leg or anything like that. And so we knew it was going to be a long time for, for Dante to recover. And as long as he can stay healthy throughout the rest of this season with the Cavaliers, um and continue to make progress next season will you know they'll get to see what he really is um i think he's in a good spot right now with the cavaliers um he had a big breakout game a couple weeks ago went off for 28 points and really showed you know a lot of the stuff that we knew and that dennis Lindsay knew that he could do when they drafted him fifth overall um problem is right now with the cavaliers um they, have, they already have two point guards that they're looking forward to for the future. And one of them, Colin Sexton, is a huge ball hog. And you can see when Exum and Sexton are on the court together, Exum just doesn't feel comfortable taking over the offense and taking shots. And, you know, when I <clears throat> when I covered the Central Division this year um, for the trade primer, um, I'll get into talking about Colin Sexton and the Cavaliers and and whatnot, but anyway, so Dante, um, you know, he still has all the tools for why the Jazz drafted him fifth overall. Still very long, you know, six five, six six, somewhere in that range. Long arms, um, super super quick. Has a good uh, good at handling the ball. 
needs to keep, uh, keep working on his his three point shooting. Um, but I think I think he'll be in the NBA for a long time, as long, especially if he can start to build his body up and stay healthy. But I don't know if he'll ever be that star player um, that he he looked like he could be coming out of the draft. Um, but I think he could be a long time NBA player. Um, as long as he can stay healthy, again, build up his body and make it make it to where his body can withstand contact a little bit more than it has throughout his career so far. So the next guy I'm going to talk about is Jeff Green. Um, we ended up releasing Jeff Green the same night that um, the Jazz traded Dante Exum away. Um, Jeff just wasn't a good fit with the Jazz. Um, you know, he's Jeff is one of those guys that has the perfect NBA power forward body. He's 6'8", 235, muscular, um, super athletic, um, and has been a great scorer in this league for a long time. Um, problem is the Jazz needed him to be what Boyan Bogdanovich and George Niang are for them right now. A really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Or, if you can't do that, get to the basket or be able to pass the ball around and get the ball moving. The problem with Jeff was he wasn't a great three-point shooter. He's decent, and, but he wasn't amazing at it. And he, a lot of times, because he's such a freak athlete would decide that he's just going to go straight to the basket and try and dunk it on top of somebody. A lot of times that would lead to turnovers or missed shots at the rim, and he wasn't good at keeping the ball moving. Um, and so he, he ended up being a negative for the Jazz. Um, but once we get past the trade um, deadline here, past the buyout market, and teams are still looking to find guys to help them in the playoffs, I think Jeff Green will find himself a spot. Um on a team probably like the Lakers or the Clippers, maybe the Heat, somebody like that. Uh, next guy is Stanton Kidd. Stanton Kidd did make the roster out of the preseason. However, a couple weeks into the season, he was released because Jawan Morgan, who the Jazz picked up as an undrafted free agent, um, was just killing it down in the G League, and the Jazz decided that they needed to give him the opportunity there. Um... And so Stanton was released, and he is now playing down in the NBL with the with the team out in Melbourne, or however the Australians say it. Um, <clears throat> but he's a guy that, when the NBL season ends, if the Jazz hadn't uh, you know made one more trade coming into this uh, this trade deadline here and opened up roster spots, I would not be surprised to see the Jazz give him another opportunity. I know they really like him. Maybe this summer, um, you know, when um, guys like Moutier, maybe Clarkson are moving on to other teams, I think Stanton Kidd will get another chance at the NBA at some point. Next guy is William Howard. Um, he William Howard was battling with Stanton Kidd for that last spot on the team. Um, Stanton Kidd ended up beating him out. William Howard in the G League um, shot it really well. Shot over 40% from three on a good good amount of attempts. You know, he's 6'8". He's very long. He's a, he's pretty athletic. Decent defender. Um, and the Rockets, who have basically nothing on the wing, saw the, 
you know, what the Jazz see in him and gave him uh, one of their two-way contract spots. And so now he's with the Rockets. And I think he's a guy that should be in the NBA for at least a few years. He's got some good talent. He's a good shooter. Like I say, he's got good NBA length and pretty decent athlete. Um, So with that, we'll move on to um, the two-way players for the Jazz, which if you're unfamiliar with that, um, in the G League, the players do not get paid nearly as much as um, NBA players do. And G League guys can't come up and play in the NBA unless they're assigned to a team. A few years ago, the NBA added two-way contracts where teams could bring in a guy or bring in, they're allowed to um, bring in guys to where they get paid um, somewhere between G League money and NBA money, um, NBA minimum money. Um, but basically, they can bounce between the G League and the NBA team. If, you, if they sign at the beginning of the season, they get 45 days that they can spend with the NBA team, um, and the team can always convert them to a normal contract. But anyway, it's an it's an opportunity for a team to bring in a guy, you know, usually a young prospect that didn't quite make their their roster, isn't quite ready to be an NBA contributor, but that they like and would like to keep around the organization with the opportunity to bring them on to the full roster. Um, so the two guys for um, the Jazz are Justin Wright Foreman and Jarrell Brantley. Um, we'll talk about Justin Wright Foreman first. Uh, Justin Wright Foreman was a four-year player at, oh, what's the school he went to? Um, crap, now I can't remember the school he went to. Anyway, he went to a mid-major school, um, even smaller than a mid-major. He went to a very, very small um, Division One school. I think it was Division One still. Anyway, um, <clears throat> went to a small school was playing against small school competition. He went against Jarrell Brantley a lot. Um, Justin Wright Foreman is a about six foot one left-handed uh, combo guard. At the college level, he played a lot of the shooting guard position and was a great scorer. He's one of those guys that can put just put the ball in the basket at any time. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Lou Williams or Eddie House type player. Um, but I think with the Jazz, especially with him being 6'1", they're in the G League. They're trying to get him to figure out um, how to play the the point guard position a little bit more and just get him more um, reps and, and see if he could be a viable NBA option. Um, I know the Jazz really like him. He's done really well in the G League. Um, and I would not be surprised to see um, this summer him get brought on to the Jazz on a NBA contract. Um, defensively, he's going to be a little bit of a liability just because he's six one. He does have long arms, but he's not—he's not the quickest guy. He's a pretty good athlete, but he's not super quick. Um, but offensively, I think he could be a great off the bench scoring six man um, in time. The other two way player for the Jazz is Jarrell Brantley. This is another guy that the Jazz really like. Um, He's about six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds. He's a he's he's a brick house. The guy is he is built like a linebacker. He's 
very stout, but he also has extremely long arms. He's only about 6'6", but he has 7'1 wingspan, which allows him to play the power forward, even sometimes playing like a small ball uh, five. Um, he's a guy that in college, again, went to a small school just like Justin Wright Foreman, so he was everything for his team. He did. He sometimes would even play the point guard for them, did everything out there. And so for the Jazz, to make him a really usable player for them, they've got to focus on a few of those skills that he's really good at and turn him into NBA-level skills. Um, so instead of being, you know, a jack-of-all-trades, um, form him into a great power forward with those, you know, um, post-defense, um, posting up on offense every now and then, um, po- um, being a pop man on the pick and roll, um, you know, just your basic power forward skills. That's what they're looking to develop with him. And he's another guy that when, the, as the jazz get closer to giving Donovan Mitchell, uh, extension, re-signing Rudy and their team becoming really expensive could become a big part of this team. And that's something that the jazz are really planning for is when those guys become even more expensive um, they're signing a lot of these guys to um, these three-year deals where it's really a one-year deal with team options on the last two. And they've signed quite a few of these guys to them, and we'll talk, to, we'll talk about these guys next, to where, um, you know, if they work out, then that is absolutely amazing for the Jazz. They get rotation players at a super cheap rate. And if they don't work out, they just don't pick up one of those team options, and they try it with another player. But when Donovan signs his rookie extension in a, uh, next year um, and starts playing on that in his fifth season, right now he's in his third season, he would sign the extension next year, and then the year after that he would start playing on it and being paid $30 million a year and Rudy getting maybe the Supermax and getting paid you know $45 million a year. They're going to need these cheaper guys on the team um, to be contributors. Um, so we'll talk about some of those guys that they've signed to these one plus two contracts where they're, you know, one year guaranteed plus two team options going forward. Um, first one is Nigel Williams Goss. Um, you know, Williams Goss is a guy that they drafted a couple years ago in the second round out of Gonzaga. Um, he ended up going over to, um, I think to the Greece league to the Greek league, um, playing over there, did really well over there and has come over to the jazz. They're really loaded at the point guard position now with Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Emmanuel Moutier, and even Jordan Clarkson being being able to play the point guard. And so he spent most of the year in the G league. He's done really well down there, but I think this next season, um, I think Emmanuel Moutier is going to be too expensive to keep around. And Jordan Clarkson might get a really big offer somewhere, and the Jazz just have to let him go. <clears throat> At that point, I think Nigel Williams-Goss is a good option as that third point guard. And I think him and Justin Wright Foreman will be fighting for that spot this next summer. Um, big thing for, and this is the same for, with Wright Foreman, big thing with Nigel Williams-Goss is just getting his defense to a point where he can not be a negative when he comes in on the court. Um, next guy is Mie Oni. 
um, who the Jazz drafted this, this year with the 58th pick in the draft. Um, he's a 6'5 um, wing, uh, shooting guard, small forward type player. Um, out of, I think he's a Princeton player. Princeton or Yale. Maybe Yale. Um, anyway, he went to an Ivy League school. Um, he's a guy that in high school was five foot nine. Going into his senior year, had a huge growth spurt, got up to six five. He he's a guy that the Jazz like, but he's he still needs a lot more time. Um, he's not shot the ball well at all, even with the G League team. But he's so long and so just crazy athletic that the Jazz, I think, are going to just keep trying at it and see if they can get something great out of him. And again, he's under team control for the for two years after this on basically a minimum rookie deal. Um, so they can afford to keep uh, plugging away at it. Um, anyway, another guy that's on one of these one plus two contracts is Jawan Morgan. Um, I brought him up earlier how... Um, the Jazz released Stanton Kidd to give Jawan Morgan an opportunity. Jawan Morgan is a guy that I really like. Um, about six foot seven, he's a guy that's going to need a lot of time with NBA type strength coaches. Um, it looks like he's just never been consistently in a weight room, been consistently with good dietitians and all that. Like he's not super out of shape or anything like that. He's just one of these guys that it doesn't look like he spent a lot of time lifting weights yet. And I think as this season continues and as he gets into a summer program next year could become a very good contributor for the jazz. Again, he's about six, seven plays power forward position. Um, he is a guy that just goes all out when he's on the court, um, dives, dives for every loose ball, goes after every rebound. Um, and in the G League, has shot the three-pointer over 50% while putting up about two and a half a game. Um, and so I think if he can really develop, um, he could, uh, next season or the year after that, might take a little bit, but he could um, supersede George Niang at that backup power forward position. Um and the last guy that's on a contract like that is Rajon Tucker. Um, Rajon Tucker um, is who they picked up after releasing Jeff Green. Um, Rajon is an insane athlete. Um, you know, he he was playing in the G League, and after the G League showcase, a lot of teams wanted him. And the Jazz were the only team that offered him a guaranteed contract. Um, and so he ended up going to them. But Rajon... Oh, sorry about that. Rajon is 6'3", maybe even 6'4". He's listed at 209 pounds, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's closer to like 225, 230. He is... He's big guy. He's broad shoulders, huge legs, big calves insane athlete huge vertical and he's a guy that is not afraid of contact at all now he's going to need a lot of time in the league just to uh to figure out how the league works and how to how to get his points against nba level players but he is way better than like 
95% of the guys in the G League. Um, his last, uh, he was only in the G League for two months, and the second month he was there, he was averaging about 29 points um, and was just absolutely destroying teams. Um, and so he's a guy, um, as Jazz lose, right? Uh, Manuel Moutier most likely next year. And Jordan Clarkson, I expect him to get some regular minutes um, with the Jazz going forward. Um, next guy I'm going to talk about is Ed Davis. Ed Davis signed a two-year, $10 million contract with the team this last year. Um, Ed is one of the best backup centers in the NBA. Problem is, he has just not fit in well with the Jazz so far. The Jazz, their backup centers, or their centers in general, are divemen. Um, they run the pick and roll a lot, and you need to be able to dive to the basket and catch lobs. Or be able to, to um, create enough of room and enough of a distraction for them to get the ball moving on the perimeter. Ed Davis is not a pick and roll center. He's a guy that's gonna, you know, post up a little bit, but mostly he's gonna get his offense off of um, offensive rebounds or um, you know guys driving and just dumping it off to him. So he doesn't really fit the Jazz system that well. Um, he could possibly get traded at this trade deadline, but if they're going to trade him, I'd probably wait till the summer, um, and I would keep him going into the these playoffs as a security. You know, if anything happens to Rudy, or if teams are just beating up on Tony Bradley, um, he can step in and has played a lot of playoff minutes in his career, and and um, you know can give the team. A good solid center. Um, next guy is Emmanuel Moutier. I've already brought him up a couple times of the fact that he might not be here um, next season. He signed a one-year contract on the minimum with the Jazz this year, and the point of him coming to the Jazz was for him to learn how to play basketball. Um, I've, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, but Emmanuel Moutier. Um, Came from the Congo, went to the Deion Sanders high school. That high school ended up becoming ineligible, so he only played like one year of high school basketball. Instead of going and playing college basketball, he went to China and played professionally. Played like eight games and got injured. Um, and then he got drafted by the Nuggets. The Nuggets immediately threw him into the starting lineup. And never really helped develop his skills. He goes to the Knicks last year. Again, they throw him in the starting lineup, tell him to just go score. He does pretty well at that. So in all this time, Emmanuel Moody has never really had coaching. He's never had anybody worry about developing his game. And so he came to the Jazz, who are great at developing young players, in the hopes that they could develop him into a great NBA point guard. And it was a rough start for him. Um, it was really hard for them to get him out of his old habits. And But as the season has progressed and as Mike Conley got injured and he started getting a lot of time, um, he's starting to show some really good lead guard skills. Um, being able to do search dribbles, run the pick and roll, 
find the open man. Sorry. Um, and even his catch and shoot on the three has gotten better. His shot selection's gotten better. One thing I'm worried about, though, with Emmanuel Moutier, though, is one, as Mike Conley's come back from his hamstring injury, um, Emmanuel Moutier has fallen out of the rotation. Um, and the thing that worries about me about that with him is that in the little bit of timing that he gets, you see him resort back to his old habits of, you know, just give me the ball. I'm going to drive to the basket and either turn the ball over or make a circus shot. Um, and so hopefully, um, as Conley gets acclimated to the team again, um, somehow Moutier can get back into the regular rotation and start or continue developing the way he was. Um, but as of right now, the Jazz don't have bird rights on Emmanuel Moutier, which means that they can't go over the salary cap to bring him back this next year, um, which they can do that to bring back Jordan Clarkson. And so I wouldn't count on Emmanuel Moutier being back next year. I think he's done enough to earn a starting job or at least a, a, a high-profile backup point guard uh, spot with another team going into this next summer. Um, next thing I want to talk about is George Niang, which George Niang is one of the guys that the Jazz signed, like Tucker and Morgan and Oni and Nigel Williams-Goss, on these two-plus-one deals where it was like, all right, we're going to give you an opportunity. If you show out, we'll keep you around. If not, we'll move on to the next guy. Um, George, as a small forward, which is what he came into the league as, is not an NBA-level player. Um, he's way, way too slow, super unathletic. But the Jazz have started playing him at the power forward position after they let go of Jeff Green. And offensively, he's great there, especially in the Jazz system. He just gets to shoot wide open threes a ton, um, gets to try and um, create off of closeouts against slower, which it's hard to believe that they're slower guys in the league but slower guys than him and try and get to the basket. We saw a couple times when he, they played the Kings, he was able to get to the basket. Um, and one thing when they were playing the Kings, and I haven't really paid too close of attention to him since then, um, but it, there's about four minutes in the Kings game where he was playing as the center. And that's really interesting. If the other team is not playing a very good backup center, um, it's really interesting that the Jazz can try to see if he fits there because if he can and he can keep putting on more strength, um, now all of a sudden the Jazz can run a five-out system um, every now and then off the bench to where they have five shooters out there and become very dangerous. Um, so that's something I'd be looking forward to with George Niang. Um Big thing with George Niang is he just needs to keep getting into the weight room, keep, you know, replacing fat with muscle, um, and get as fast and athletic as he possibly can. But he is just so unathletic that, you know, even maximizing his own athleticism, it's not going to be great, but I think he can get 
to a point to where he's not a huge liability on the defensive side. Um, next guy is Tony Bradley. Um, Tony Bradley's been a fun surprise this year. Um, the Jazz drafted him the same year that they drafted um, Donovan Mitchell. And when they drafted him, they knew that he was going to be a project. Um, he was 19 years old, drafted him out of North Carolina. He was a backup center at in college. Um, but he's got great tools. He's about 6'10", 6'11". Um, I would say he's probably close to 265 pounds now, has a seven foot five wingspan. Um, and so he's got the tools to be a good center and the jazz have just been working really hard on developing his game. And this year when Ed Davis broke his leg, he got an opportunity to go in there and be the backup center. And he's shown an amazing ability on the offensive boards. Um, he's a good scorer, especially, um, good he's especially good at being physical and getting dunks um still has a long way to go on defense especially with staying vertical but he has shown a lot of development this year um and again he's been a good surprise for the jazz and hopefully he can continue to progress and be useful to them in the playoffs um if he's at the same level he is today um they may have to play ed davis as a backup center but if he can continue to progress at the same rate that he has been lately, um, he can he can be a great option for them in the few minutes that Rudy Gobert needs to rest. Um, so next guy is Jordan Clarkson, who the Jazz traded Dante Exum for. Jordan Clarkson is instant offense off the bench, um, which is what they brought him in for. Their bench, the Jazz's bench unit, was awful before the, this trade. Um, Jeff Green was a negative. Ed Davis couldn't figure out how to fit within the Jazz offense. Emmanuel Moutier was still a mess. Um, and, you know, George Niang wasn't playing. And if he was, he was at small forward, so he's getting beat on defense all the time. Um, and so the Jazz brought in Clarkson to give them somebody that could actually go out and get buckets on the off the bench, and he's done a great job of that. Um, I think he's averaging 15 points a game right now for the Jazz. Um, and one of the great things about um, his development so far with the Jazz is he's actually becoming a decent passer he had five assists tonight against the mavericks he wasn't shooting very well so he instead of just throwing up more shots he decided to start distributing the ball he's a good rebounder at the guard position always always has been but he he stays very active and one of the cool things about jordan clarks and i noticed this um when he was with the lakers and he still does it and i love it um, when he gets close to the basket and puts up a you know a floater or something like that, he gets himself into position for the offensive rebound to try and put it back or to um, kick it back out to his players. A lot of guys just throw the ball up and start running down the other side of the court. Um, so it's really cool to see him make that extra effort and you know be there to every now and then get his own putback. Um, so now we'll talk about the top six guys of the jazz. Um, these are the six guys that they started the season with that are NBA playoff level players. 
and are still at that level. Um, I think Clarkson is definitely in a playoff level player. And I think Davis, if they absolutely need him to be, um, can come in and give them some help there. And hopefully Bradley Niang and Moutier can continue to develop and be good for them when they get to the playoffs. But the first guy is Royce O'Neal. Um, Royce just barely signed a, a new extension with the Jazz, and I'm really excited about that. He signed a four-year, $36 million deal with them, so $9 million a year average. Um, and the guy's earned it. Um, you know, he, he can play the shooting guard, small forward, or power forward position at six foot four. Is a great defender, especially against guys that he can be physical with, like uh, James Harden. Um, great physical defender. Um, you know, he... I'm again. I'm super excited for the guy about the fact that he got an extension. About the fact that he's with the Jazz for um, at least four more years going forward. He's developed into a very good three-point shooter in his time with the Jazz. Is now shooting 43% from there. Um, but you know, Royce is a is a great story. Um, you know, David Locke was talking about this. He was brought in. Um, to one of the Jazz's free agent camps. Um, the Jazz every year will host, you know, 20, maybe 30 free agents every single year and just see if any of them pique the Jazz's interest as guys that they could bring in on, on the rotation and be helpful to the team. Um, Royce started off at University of Denver. Um, I think his, I think it was his grandfather got sick, so he went back to Texas Um Went to the University of Baylor. Um, he was a good player there, but he wasn't going to get drafted. Um, ended up going over to Europe, playing a couple seasons over there. And Jazz scouts um, found him while he was there and got him into this free agent camp. Well, while he was there, he really impressed the coaches, especially with his defensive ability. But one of the fun stories about that is he actually got a tooth knocked out while they were scrimmaging and didn't tell anybody about it, just kept playing. Eventually, one of the assistant coaches found the tooth and <laughs> said, whose tooth is this? And Royce you know, said it was his, played through the rest of the scrimmage, and then went to the doctor or to the dentist, got the tooth put back in or got an implant or whatever happened there. Um but that's that's who Royce is. He he knew that was his opportunity, and he went for it. Um, he wasn't going to let losing a tooth get in the way of that. And while he's been with the Jazz, he's been an extremely hard worker. And, again, I'm super glad that he has earned that extension and that he's going to be with the Jazz for um, the foreseeable future. Next guy is Joe Ingles, who is another success story of the Jazz. Um, Joe <clears throat> is from Australia, um, played quite a few years in, in Europe, um, finally got his chance to go to the NBA, got into training camp with the Clippers. They ended up cutting him, and Dennis Lindsay immediately um, picked him up. Um, you know, when he came in, he was an amazing shooter, but he was a decent shooter. You know, six foot eight, could handle the ball a little bit, um, but nothing real special about the guy at that point. 
um, but came in and worked his tail off. Um, I think going into his second season with the Jazz, the Jazz told him, like, you're going to be the fifth wing on this team. You may get some time here and there. By the end of the season, he was starting, and he's been a starter ever since. Even at the beginning of the season, they tried bringing him off the bench, which I think now, um, now that they have Clarkson, could probably work. But it was not working at the beginning of the season. Um, they brought him into the starting lineup, and he's just been amazing since then. Um, and the Jazz this this summer, before right before the season started, gave him another year on his contract. So he is with the Jazz for at least the next two years after this season. Um, and just another great success story of the Jazz development program. So the next guy we're going to talk about is Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, Boyan was signed this year as a free agent to a four-year, uh, what was it, like a $74 million contract, I believe, something around there. Um, and he's come in and immediately been exactly what the Jazz needed in Quinn Snyder's offense at the power forward position. He is an amazing shooter. He is a guy that at 6'8", can handle the ball real well can run the pick and roll as the ball handler, um, defends his heart out, um, not the greatest defender athletic, athletic, uh, athleticism wise, but you know, he plays with his heart out, um, or plays his heart out. There we go. <clears throat> um, and has just been a perfect fit for, for the jazz. Um, last season, if Donovan Mitchell has a bad game, the Jazz are probably going to lose. This season, Donovan can afford to have a bad game, and Bogdanovich or Rudy Gobert or Mike Conley or Joe Ingle steps up and has an amazing game, and the Jazz can still win games, and it's it's a lot of fun watching this team, and it's a lot of fun watching Boyan, and again, he's a guy that's going to be around for um, the next three years after this at least, and I think he's a great fit with the Jazz. Um, both culture-wise and play-wise, I think he's a great fit with the team. And, you know, couldn't be happier with the free agent signing uh, um, this summer with him. The next guy is Mike Conley, who the Jazz traded um, to get this summer. Um, so far, Mike has not worked out great. Um, the problem is Mike was the point guard of the Grizzlies for the last 12 years and was the number one guy. He constantly had the ball in his hands, was constantly the number one option on offense. And, you know, in his time with the Jazz, he's had to learn how to to be the second guy to Donovan Mitchell, how to play off of Donovan Mitchell, how to play with a big like Rudy Gobert, who is offensively is very different from Marcus Gasol who the who he's played with for most of his career um and then he had a, a hamstring injury that kept him out for about 20 games um but he's back now <clears throat> um and hopefully you know he can become more acclimated to the team and become you know a better off-ball player while Donovan is in the game and when Donovan goes out be able to lead the bench unit very well. Um, I still think it was a great trade to get him. Um, 
but he's going to need more time to figure out his new role within this team. So finally, the last two guys we're going to talk about are the two stars of the Jazz. <clears throat> and first we're going to talk about uh, Donovan Mitchell. Um, Donovan Mitchell was already playing at a great level for the Jazz. Um, <clears throat> and this year just really stepped it up. Um, he's shooting more efficiently, um, playing even better on the defensive side of the ball, has taken over the offense, um, can now run the point guard at a very high rate. Um, but the greatest thing about Donovan this year is in the last six minutes of the game, he takes over. If the jet, if it's a close game, he comes in and either goes off for like 14 points in those six minutes or dishes out three assists and puts up another eight points or whatever. But he has been so amazing for the Jazz in close game situations. And, you know, just has been absolutely the star that um, we knew he could re he could turn into after his rookie season with the Jazz. And his development and how much better he gets on not even just a yearly basis, but like a monthly basis is insane. And Quinn Snyder being who I believe to be the smartest coach in the NBA um, has, you know, Donovan has a tendency to take some low efficiency shots, mid range, long mid range floaters. And Quinn Snyder has figured out to how to position him a little bit differently on the court to where instead of getting floaters, he gets to the basket, gets fouled, or gets dunks. Or, you know, instead we'll decide to pull back and hit a three. Um, so going forward, you know, with how hard Donovan works, you know he's going to continue to get better and is seriously on, on track to be one of the top 10 players in this league. Right now I consider him probably top 20 and if he can continue to develop the way he has and keep making the strides that he has, he will be one of the top players in the NBA soon. So finally, we will talk about Rudy Gobert, the big man in the middle, the two-time defensive player of the year. Rudy better be an all-star this year. I think Donovan might make it this year. He might not uh, get picked in. It'll be close with him, Devin Booker, um, and probably like Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul who probably sh who shouldn't make it but will probably be considered but Rudy better make it to the all-star team this year he should have made it last year but he's even better this year averaging 15 points a game 14 boards shooting 68 percent from the field um over two blocks a game and tonight against the Mavericks just took over um I don't have his stat line in front of me. I think it was like 23 points, 17 rebounds, five blocks, shot 100% from the field. Um, like I said, he's already been defensive player of the year twice, and he's even better on the defensive side this year. Um, now can take on, he now can guard guys on the perimeter. Um, he is seriously the best defensive player in the NBA right now and is closing in on being the greatest defensive player of all time. Um, and on offense, he's become a great player there too. Great pick and roll man. Um, he's even starting to figure out how to 
score in the post a little bit. Um, I am just so excited for what Rudy can become and what he is already. Um, just insanely great player. Um, one thing I want to say about Rudy real quick, though, is, you know, I said he's shooting 68% from the field this year. Now, most of the time, shooting three-pointers is a more efficient shot um, because three is more than two. So a 50% field goal shooter is the same as a 33% three-point shooter. A decent three-point shooter will get over 33%, making it a more efficient shot. Well, Rudy at 68% from the field is the same as somebody shooting 46% from three. Um, now in a given year, there's a lot of years where nobody shoots that high. And even then the best years, like two guys shoot 46% from three. So he has turned himself into probably the most efficient offensive player in the entire NBA. Um, and it's, and to go along with that again is the most incredible offensive player or incredible defensive player. The NBA has seen probably since Akeem Olajuwon. Um, but with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. Thank you for listening. Um, be looking out for more Wasatch uh, basketball podcasts coming out um, as we finish the trade primer. And uh, so, yeah, again, you can follow this podcast on Instagram at Wasatch Basketball Pod, or you can email me at Wasatch Basketball Pod at gmail.com. Go, Jazz!